Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Eternal Optimist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon. It is a pleasure and I appreciate every single person who is lending their ear to this message of hope, this message of you can do it too, that we air each and every week, two times a week. I look forward, my friends, to meeting each one of you face-to-face or through Zoom or over the phone. In the meantime, before we have a chance to meet in person, I'm glad and appreciate that you're lending your ear. Let's have a great time listening and soaking this in today. Where might you find success out there in the world? Sometimes it's hiding in plain sight. We don't even realize it. And when I say that, I'm teeing up today's conversation with Mr. Joe Cox. He's unassuming. You have a conversation with him, you wouldn't know that he's a three-time franchisee of the year of a, a large franchise organization. You wouldn't know that he runs multiple, multiple businesses at a very high level. You would not know about Joe, that he came from a family with a total of six brothers. You wouldn't know any of these things because he's not all up in your face talking about himself and sharing all of this. He's unassuming, he's cool, he values and loves his family, his friends, and he works hard in his business. He's someone that when you listen to this conversation we have, it'll inspire you to see that Joe, when he got out of school, he had no idea where he was gonna go. Absolutely none. Even after his first couple jobs, he still didn't have a clear direction in his life. And where he's gone since then, is inspirational. I hope you take notes and enjoy this discussion today with my new friend, Mr. Joe Cox. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. It is my great privilege and pleasure to bring my new friend and fellow Michigan Wolverine fan to the podcast, Mr. Joe Cox. Joe, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Matt? We are doing pretty fantastic today. When people ask me that, I don't want to give like a BS answer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. So you ask me, and we've been talking for a few minutes. So I'm going to share with our audience why I'm great today. This morning at 8 a.m., my three daughters assembled on front of the couch, and they put on a play. And for those new listeners, my daughters are seven, five, and three. And the play they put on was they got Legos. They put a bunch of tape around them, taped them together and to make uh, makeshift microphones. And they created a play where they actually sang like birds for about eight and a half minutes. And I made this video. No words were spoken. It was all just tweet, tweet, tweet. 
Literally, they said tweet and made bird sounds for eight minutes. It was the cutest thing in the world. And to back that up, I got on a coaching call with a client. And as I was getting on, my computer shut down and said automatic restart. And it had to update. And darn it, I thought I had it set to something else that it wouldn't do that automatically. So a little bit of love, a little bit of frustration. But overall, we're doing pretty good. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we start. Well, Joe, I was introduced to you by a good friend of mine from the Front Row Dads, Mr. Jared Mont, and he had, had shared great things about you, and we've been having a good discussion for a little while now. I'd love to share with our listeners, what are a couple of bullet points that you could share about Joe Cox just to help us get intro to you, my friend? Sure. So I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan with my wife and two boys. The boys are five and three. And I have a couple of businesses. I'm a franchisee of a brand called Handyman Connection and a franchisee of Ellie Mental Health. So I'm a small business owner, entrepreneur, and I love being active and getting outside and playing sports and wrestling around with my boys, going out to eat and spending time with my wife. Awesome. Well, a lot that we can unpack there and talk about business and how you got into franchising. And I, I don't know if I okayed it before, if I could ask you how you met your wife. I always love to ask that. Uh, so let's let's try that out. Is there a nice romantic story here about how you and your wife first met? Uh, yeah, there is a pretty uh, good story, actually. So we actually met going into eighth grade. I remember we met at a Gus Macker, which if People aren't familiar with that. That's actually um, a three-on-three outdoor basketball tournament. They were popular in the Midwest uh, in the late '90s and early 2000s, but I think actually they're still they're still going on. But anyways, we met there and we went into uh, eighth grade together at the uh, public school, and we hung out a decent amount in eighth and ninth grade, and we quote-unquote dated a little bit. But then we didn't date again until after we came back from our freshman year of college. So we both went back to our hometown after freshman year of college, and we went to the fireworks on July 4th. And afterwards, we were driving around I think we were going to get to Taco Bell or something. We needed to stop because my wife, Sarah, needed to go to the bathroom. So we were riding in the back seat and some friends of ours were in the front uh -oh. seat. And there was three of us in the back. She was in the middle seat. And we drove across an intersection and we got T-boned. We collided heads and Sarah and I both got knocked unconscious, both got taken to the hospital and ambulances. And that was really the start of us, I guess, seriously dating. And yeah, we like to say that we got the sense knocked into us, but it was pretty wild. She, uh, she ended up peeing her pants on me because she had to pee so bad. We both got knocked unconscious. So I just remember stopping by her hospital room <laughs> on my way out. And the first thing she said was, I'm sorry, I peed on you. So that was, <laughs> that was our first date really. Wow, what an amazing story. And it reminds me of, I was listening to my dad tell a story a while ago. His uh, oldest brother went to the high school prom. This is back in Michigan, in Monroe, Michigan, at or around 1958 or so. His oldest brother went to the prom with, would be the prom queen. And when they showed up at the prom, she squeezed him so hard, he farted right there in front of all of her friends. And like, this is the popular crowd. And he was a uh, big athlete, but he wasn't the super popular dude. And he was so embarrassed about it. And I think that the story of how you and your wife got together, literally she peed on you after the big accident. Yeah. That's very endearing. So you guys go way back, eighth grade uh -huh. first met. Yeah. Cool. So take us back a little bit. Uh, you know, Our mission is to share of kind of our origin story 
and then to go into some of the challenges that we were overcoming in our lives. So help us, Joe, with your origin story and how you grew up and just take us through into early adulthood, just a little bit of the things you've been through in your life, please. Yeah, so I'm from a small town in Michigan. My dad's a contractor. My mom was a nurse before she stayed at home with the kids. And I'm one of six boys in my family. So I've got two older brothers and three younger brothers. And we're all pretty close in age. We're all pretty close. And we had a nice house on a lot of acreage. And it was just always playing outside. We weren't really allowed in the house. But I just had a great childhood. I had great parents, great siblings. I was a middle child. And for there's pros and cons to it. But I was sort of on my own a lot of times as far as figuring things out. And I remember as a kid, my parents really pushing just the fact that work hard and you can do anything you want. And at the same time, I didn't have the greatest education being from a small town and worked hard, got into University of Michigan. And I quickly realized that I wasn't that smart. I was, I think, a co-valedictorian of my high school, which so I thought I was hot stuff. And then I got to Michigan and quickly realized that I was definitely behind the eight ball when it comes to the other students there. I, I mean, I remember checking with people on my hall, my freshman year dorm hall, and I was the only person on my hall that didn't have any college credits going in. So it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. Joe, I relate to you on this one, man, because I, I moved around a bunch and my dad being in the military. And when I was in Indiana, in high school, I was number two in the class when I left my junior year to go to South Carolina. When I went to South Carolina to go to my senior year in high school, I was number like 25 in the class when I got there. And I had like a 3.99 GPA. I was number 25 in the class. And when you got to South Carolina, they had all these things called weighted grades and you could take college credit down there. So people are already literally done with their like freshman year of college and into their sophomore year. So I totally relate with you showing up at high school where people are already taking college classes. And when I went to college, some of them were already in their junior year where they were 18 just yeah. starting. So it was really weird. So I relate to you on this one, man. Yeah. yeah. So just felt like a small fish in a big pond there and sort of started losing a little bit of my confidence, I think, as far as what I was going to do, as far as work and just how I was going to find the financial success that I wanted to in this life. Right. So again, sort of worked hard and studied as much as I needed to in order to get into the business school. And I was so proud of myself for getting into the business school. But then I got there and I felt even more out of place, honestly. I felt like I was trying to keep up with the Joneses a lot of times just with going to networking events. And I hated that and I wasn't good at it. And trying to get good grades on those exams and it just was beyond me. I just, it wasn't all bad. I mean, I got through it and it was a great experience, but I remember leaving undergrad with my business degree and not really seeing a clear path on where I was going to go and how I was going to get to the success that I wanted to find. And so, yeah. anyways, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, that's sort of the upbringing. Yeah, that's good. Here, What I heard was one of six boys and you were never allowed in the house, probably because you break everything because mm -hmm. that's what six boys would yeah. do. <laughs> so yes, there. Great parents. So great to hear that. And I love one of the nuggets you dropped on us here. You're talking about that your parents, they instilled in you the mindset, work hard and you can do anything you want. 
And I think that's a common thread I see out there with a lot of people and some I don't see. But those that have that, that strong support structure, that's super important. I had that. And I'm pleased to say that I had parents that, that loved me. I got spanked and uh, never was shame yelled at, right? They built that strong self-esteem in me too. So love that you had that. Mm-hmm. You got to college and coming from the small town, it was kind of like a little shell shock there for a moment. Yeah. You got there and maybe had a crisis of confidence of maybe I'm not as educated as some of these other people. And now I was the big fish, co-valedictorian, right. now smaller fish. Yeah. So I can relate to you on a lot of those things. So we move forward and you've shared with us in the very beginning, in the intro, and I've already shared that you've been successful in businesses, right? And right now you're exiting your undergrad and you're not sure where to go. There's that clarity on what the next step is necessarily. And you're not sure how you're going to make your way out there yet to achieve some of the goals you set for yourself. So I wonder if you leave college and you're not sure what to do next, how did you overcome that challenge? Yeah, I... I honestly took the first job that gave me an offer, basically. I mean, I had to narrow my search at the time for basically a finance or business type of job in the state of Michigan because my wife had just gotten a job at Google in Ann Arbor. And so that was a really good thing we had going for us. So we were like, okay, let's stay in Michigan. And for me, all of my fellow classmates were taking jobs outside of the state of Michigan. I mean, I think I was probably one of the few that stayed in the state of Michigan. So anyways, took a finance job. It was basically an asset-based lender. So we would lend money to small to medium-sized businesses that couldn't get traditional bank financing. So I was underwriting loans and managing like a portfolio of those loans. And anyways, I didn't feel like I was going anywhere fast with it. I thought I was decent at it. But I didn't see a path to the financial success that I was sort of determined to get to. I was like, okay, 10% raise every year. Great. But I didn't like being an employee working for somebody else. But Well, Joe, if you kind of look back and you see it now, I wonder what foundational skills or mindset did you take away from that experience in that first job? Definitely from a skills standpoint, I was able to evaluate the P&Ls and balance sheets and the cash flow statements really for these small to medium-sized businesses that weren't doing so hot. They couldn't get traditional bank financing. So there was a reason for that. So part of my job was figuring out why and then how to structure a, a line of credit with them that we were protected and could provide that lifeline for that company to hopefully sort of graduate from our program and get back to bank financing. But definitely some skills with learning how and why a business would fail or wasn't doing so well. And then, yeah, it was great experience working for a professional company as an employee and really going through that has made me appreciate being an entrepreneur and having the flexibility of being my own boss. And it's made me appreciate that more. Well, so it sounds like at the time, you may not have that exact moment appreciated or felt like this is the place I'm going to be the rest of my life. In retrospect of what you do now and running multiple businesses, you learned at a high level early, straight out of school, how to read a and l mm-hmm. And I don't want to gloss over this for too long, but I can say that in the high level executives and people I've coached and work with, it would shock some people to see how some of them don't have a basic understanding of a P&L or have an understanding of cash flow. Mm-hmm. And that's not to be judgmental. It's simply a skill that if you don't go and learn it or or figure it out somewhere, 
or taught it in a class or taught it in the job, then it's not something that everyone has who runs a business. So you took that foundational skill of being able to read a P&L and evaluate cash flow and see here are mistakes or challenges that people have gotten themselves into in business. So you saw those real life examples and whether at that time you realized it or not, those are foundational things that now bookmarks in the back of the brain that help you to be really successful in what you do now. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's, you say it better. That's great to hear that. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what happened then after the the first role there? I'm I'm curious to hear the next steps in your career. I basically did that for about five years. And I remember feeling pretty frustrated, not like feeling really negative every day, but just feeling sort of complacent and really starting to lose hope a little bit as far as how I was going to get to where I wanted to go. And I was young, but I don't think that using that as an excuse, as a motivated, I think motivated young people do not like using that as a reason to feel complacent or anything like that. So I just remember thinking I need to make a change. And I ended up taking another job, which was like a remote job. It was a company out of Indianapolis. So actually the company I was working for right out of college got bought by a company out of Chicago. So my wife and I moved to Chicago and lived there for a couple of years. And then I took a job for it with a company out of Indianapolis. And I was basically... I got to wear a couple different hats and was sort of like the controller, but I would help with sales a little bit. And it was a change, but again, just still couldn't see the path, didn't have the vision on what I was ultimately going to do. But the guy that was running that company, he was a great mentor for me. And he actually fired me from that job eventually. And I was only there for maybe a year, but he basically sat me down one day and he was like, Joe, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. And he let me go and he gave me some advice. And I remember he didn't really have all the answers, but he was sort of pushing me towards grad school. And then it was like, okay, figure out what to do next. And that was when I decided to start a business. Wow. What I love about your story so far, Joe, is you've had some great experiences that at the time, in the moment, may not have felt like great experiences, but they were great experiences in terms of you got some real world finance education. You saw what worked and didn't work. You then went and worked somewhere. You had the opportunity to move, whether that was easy or not. You moved and then you work remote and then you had a mentor and then you had the mentor fire you and challenge you with, what are you doing? And at some point, something in your head said, I need to go back to grad school. So you're in this place, I think a lot of us can be in this place where we may be frustrated. We know that some change has got to be made. We're not quite sure what change to make or how to make it or where to go. And somehow, some way, you found a way to make that change. And now you're ending up in grad school. And I think if I'm following the timeline right, it's probably about seven years after undergrad. So you're probably around 29 or 30 at the time-ish. Yeah, close, close enough, yeah. And just to be clear, my mentor was pushing me towards grad school Mm-hmm. He didn't really have all the answers, but he was basically like, you got to move on and figure out what you're going to do. And I suggest grad school, but I didn't go to grad school. I didn't oh. take his advice. Oh, okay. So he was suggesting yeah. go there. And then what you said, I started my business. Yes. So here you are, brand new entrepreneur, right around the turn, going into thirties. Help us understand what that was like. What was your mindset like opening your first business, Joe? Yeah, well... And I mean, in hindsight, I mean, 
opening my first business is the best grad school that I could have ever had for myself. But just the learning with starting a business and operating a business, that was the best education that I've ever had. But Okay. But it was definitely difficult to make that decision. I felt like I was one of many people who always say they want to go into business for themselves. They just don't know what to do. And I was like, that was me. And so I was thinking, what am I good at? What can I do? And I didn't really feel like I had a skill or a passion for something that I could go start a business in. And I went down a couple of paths that didn't really pan out. I mean, I was going to start a bookkeeping and basically I decided, well, if I'm going to do that, I should probably get some sort of certification. So it's like, well, the CPA is too tough to get. So I'm going to go for the CMA. So I studied, I got my CMA and I was getting ready to start a bookkeeping service and I started second guessing it. There's things I didn't like about it. So then I started thinking about franchises and I was like, that's it. I'm going to go start a franchise. I'm going to see what franchises are out there and I'm going to get into that world. And so I pretty much opened a top 100 franchises webpage, which what I know now is those are all biased, right? Those are all people paying for spots or it's not actually good information that I was looking at. And I pretty much scrolled through there and decided to blindly point at the page. And I was like, whatever's close to my finger is what I'm going to do. And Handyman handyman Connection was on there. And I was like, Handyman Services, I like that. Let's do that. Wow. Okay. So you were going to go bookkeeping. You you chose not to do that. Started to get in the head and think about it. And then you chose franchising. And then as fate would intertwine and divine power would point your finger to Handyman. Yeah for the handyman franchise and here you are now. So please take us through opening that first franchise. What my wife and I found was that when you're going to start a business, a lot of people will tell you every reason why not to do it. Well, you shouldn't go into the handyman space because all the big players are getting into that. Amazon's starting to sell handyman services. Google's getting into that space. Home Depot and those are selling it with all their products. It's just a lot of people will tell you why not to do it. So getting through that without the experience of knowing everything's going to be okay. Like even if I fail, it'll still be good, but not, I didn't really believe or know that back then, like I know now. So it was definitely challenging, but I will say this. I think that I had a lot of things lining up nicely for me. I didn't have kids at the time. I had a wife with a nice job with good benefits and didn't really have much debt or financial troubles to worry about. So from those aspects, it could have been a lot more difficult to start a business, but went through the process of opening a Handyman Connection franchise. I remember going to the first conference and sitting there. I had been in business for about six months at that point, and it was going okay. I was just sort of bumping along, getting my feet wet. And seeing the numbers that the most successful handymans were doing and seeing the recognition that those people were getting at that first conference, I remember thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to get to those levels, to those sales levels. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. And I just remember having that thought. It wasn't necessarily that I didn't believe that I was going to, but I still, I couldn't quite see how I was going to get there. 
but inside of you right now is the six brothers and the competitive juices are like, they're getting the recognition on stage. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but something is brewing. It feels like. Yeah. And so then my first full year, I did okay. And I was awarded with the rookie franchise of the year with Handyman Connection. And so that was nice, but I still like the sales volume, the bottom line, like it wasn't anything to be too proud of yet. And I remember we, my wife got pregnant with our first child at the end of that year. And so going into my second full year, I remember thinking it's now or never, like, because we knew that she wanted to stay home with the kids and it was like, I got to figure this out. And so I actually had some pressure on me at that point. And that was the difference maker for me. I just put my head down and I remember just going to work that year. And I just remember being really selfish with my time because I always think of the phrase from when you're flying, where they are going through all the safety protocols and they say, yeah, secure your own mask before securing others. Right. And that's sort of the mindset that I had that year. And I remember telling myself, like, you don't have the luxury to spend time on anything, but I think I was calling it revenue generating activities because I looked at that business model. And to me, it's a high volume low margin business model in order to make it a stable, solid business. So I knew I had to scale it up. I knew I had to get the top line up. And so that's what I did and had some major growth that year. I think I had 150% year over year growth or something that year. And just have grown the business every year that I've been in business. And now we're doing, I mean, I've won franchise of the year three times in the last five years and that, and I'm doing sales volume that nobody's ever done within that business system. So it's exciting to get to that point, but that whole journey, I could tell you a lot more about. It's been just a great thing for me. And I'll say this too, the financial success of the business has been great. But what's been way, what's been far better is the personal confidence and satisfaction of being, of like setting out on a journey and actually accomplishing, or I should say finding success and in doing that. So I just remember at some point just having this personal confidence now that I really truly believe I can do anything I set my mind to now. And I didn't actually believe that until I went through that process with that business. Mm. It feels like you share the story and maybe there's something between lines here. You didn't say you seem to be a humble and modest man. When you said rookie of the year, you weren't doing all that great. I'm thinking, man, you're rookie of the year. You must've been doing something right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you gave yourself all that credit, but you did win rookie of the year. And then at that next point, I think the intersection where you really decide to turn it on, it sounds like is when you felt that external pressure when your wife became pregnant with your first child and you made this commitment to secure your own oxygen mask and go into straight up revenue producing activity for the next year. That seems like it was that pressure when you were kind of like, now I've got to poop or get off the pot Mm -hmm. time. I've got to go and crush it now. It feels like that might've been one of the factors that really kicked into overdrive for your motivation. And I wonder, was that motivation, was that power always inside of you? And it took that spark to really set you on fire or what is it? Because it seemed like there was something that happened in that year of pregnancy that was different. You just became a straight up animal going after it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wonder if you can go back to that that moment or the start of that year and describe for us, Joe, 
how that fire got lit? How, how did you get set on fire to go and start crushing it that year? Yeah, I think that that power, that animal is, that has always been inside me. I think it's in, in, inside everybody. But uh, it was simply, I remember being at the annual conference at the start of that year and thinking, again, it was one of those like, what am I doing moments? It was like, I was happy to win like rookie of the year and I remember being proud of that. But at the end of the day, I thought about my family and the future of my family with Sarah wanting to stay at home with the kids and raise the kids in the house and me wanting that as well and me wanting that for her. So that was the motivation. And then it was also me wanting more financial success to put my family in a better position down the road, right? But it was like, Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I can get these accolades, but I can maybe be doing better than some of my peers in that franchise. But at the end of the day, like, what's my personal income statement looking like? What's my personal balance sheet looking like? And we got to have some major changes happen quickly in order for Sarah not to have to go back to work. Thank you. I mean, you hit on a couple of things that I think your story sheds light in a place that a lot of us have been. I've been in that same place where we just got married. And I was in a nice corporate job, high paying. It was awesome, except for it wasn't as fulfilling and I needed to do something else. And before we had kids, it felt like the time to do it. So I made the jump back to being an entrepreneur. And then when we found out Julie was pregnant, eight months into being married, pardon me. Yeah, eight months into being married, we found out she was pregnant, not having our child. Eight months into being married, we found out she was pregnant. And that also lit a fire under me. And that's when I made the jump to be the entrepreneurs, right? When we found out we were pregnant. It's when your back's against the wall, that's the time that it really lights the fire for a lot of mm-hmm. us. So I totally relate with you on that one. And it's looking at the personal balance sheet and seeing that one, if I were to focus a little more time on revenue generating over here, then it shows up in the balance sheet over mm-hmm. here. And that has been the case year in and year out. And I think as we scale businesses, and let's let's go back to you, as, as you scale your business, how cognizant are you of uh, the time that you're spending in that business versus the time that you're spending with family or spending on other things you're passionate about? Or are you still in that place where it's crush it all day, every day, sun up to sundown? Kind of walk us through that journey of that first year to now and where you are with your time. Joe. Yeah. Valid being the skill set and learning in the first couple years of the business to build it, to grow it, to operate it, to do things that I to wear all the hats in the business and make decisions on what's best for the company. Like that was all great. And then all of a sudden it was built up to this decent sized company and I'm going, but wait a second, now I'm getting burnt out and I don't really, it's like the more we grow, the more I have to do. So it's like delegate this. So it's like, okay, I I was finding myself like delegating things, getting it off my plate but the things that on my plate kept growing because the business kept growing. So really I wasn't freeing up my time. So I had to learn how to offload or and teach my, my people to do these things. And that was a whole different skill. So that took me, I've been working to remove myself from the day-to-day operations of handyman for like three years. And, and I finally got there, but uh, it took me a long time. And yeah, it's, but to answer your question about my time, I've always had clarity on my balance with spending time with 
wife, kids, friends, social, my own personal enjoyment stuff, going golf and things like that. Like I really haven't sacrificed time with family or my personal stuff for the business throughout the years. I've just always had clarity on that for some reason. And it's like when I spend time working, I'm going to work hard and a lot, or there was a lot of late nights in the first three, four years of the business where Sarah, the kids would be sleeping and that was my time to work. And I remember at first liking working at night. I think there's a quote, there's, there's no traffic jams on, on the road, less traveled or on the extra mile, I think yeah. on the extra mile. Yeah. And like, that's how it always felt working at night. And cause it's like phone wasn't ringing, emails weren't coming in and you felt like you could actually get, get stuff done. But then eventually I got sick of working at night but I still had to, or I felt like I had to. Ah. And so that was when I had to have the discipline to like power through that. But now, now I hardly ever work at night anymore. I feel lazy. <laughs> well, you certainly earned that opportunity. And it only took you, it only, and I say only, it only took you since the age of 18 until right now, going through the roller coaster of all the roles and figuring out all the foundation, the background and moving back here, back there, again, to a place of getting the courage to start a business, finding out you're having a family and then just putting your nose down and grinding for a while to get to a place where now you've afforded the opportunity to invest that time more where you might want to. So you've earned the opportunity to be, quote, lazy for a little while, not all the time, but, but uh, congratulations to you for that success. Today's episode sponsored by slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Why not have an inspirational quote that sponsors the podcast today? That quote, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. It also aligns with Progress, not perfection. Patience, not perfection. The idea of enjoying the journey, of being patient and enjoying every step of the way, not being impatient and frustrated that the progress we didn't make isn't here yet. Rather, enjoying every step of the way and seeing that over the course of time, we make far more progress than we give ourselves credit for. That's the thought that sponsors today's podcast. If there's someone out there right now, Joe, that's listening and they hear your story and they may be kind of where you were at one point in your career where they didn't know the path and they didn't know how to make the next path, what might be a piece of advice you could offer someone who's kind of on the fence of maybe take that leap into entrepreneurship or starting their company or just having the courage to go to a new place in their world? And what might be a piece of advice you could offer them from your experience? A couple things. Every change that I've ever made from a career standpoint, from a work standpoint, I've always thought, why didn't I do this sooner? And people that I've talked to seem to have the same mindset with that. And the other thing is most of the time you can always go back, right? Like people are scared to move or people are scared to make changes, but it's like, you can always go back. Okay. Maybe that company won't take you back, but a similar company will. And I'll just say that like starting my own business and going into business for myself and, and learning or experiencing entrepreneurship to the fullest. It's been the most rewarding thing for me from a professional standpoint by far. And again, not just financially, that's, it's really the personal 
confidence, the personal satisfaction and contentment that I've gotten out of that. It's like, I mean, I remember telling my wife, like it was early on in starting the business and really didn't really have much quote unquote success yet. But I remember telling her that I felt like I was finally living and it's just, it's just a freeing feeling. And then when you go through that journey and that you've had put in a good, honest work and experience throughout that journey of growing and building a company. And it's like, whether you have success or you fail, I really believe that you will not regret it at all. Like you're going to be so happy that you did it. And I mean, worst case is, is it fails and you're in a pile of debt and financial trouble, but you're going to have life lessons and experiences that you can take from there that you'll be able to take that next step and and have clarity on what that next step is. And, and the last thing I'll say is like, everybody says, take action, take some sort of action. And I totally agree with that. It's just, I think it's easier said than done because everybody gets into their daily grind, their daily habits. And it's just so easy to not actually take action. But I heard a quote not too long ago that I love. The best idea is the one you actually do. And huh. it's like, People think of good ideas or they think it's a good idea or a bad idea or they're weighing the pros and cons of all these ideas. The best one is the one you actually do, because if you just sit there and talk about it, it does nothing for you. So sort of a long-winded answer to your question, but I just, I just really would encourage anybody who's thinking about starting a business to do it 100%. And franchising is a good way to be able to start a business in an industry that you might not have any experience or knowledge in. And they really help hold your hand to get you going, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Joe, thanks so much for sharing your story today. And I'll include in the show notes, a link to connect to you if someone wants to message you directly and shoot you an email, anything about franchising or your story, they can do that through the show notes. And just thank you. It's been great to connect with a, a fellow Michigander and a fellow uh, Wolverine fan. And I'd like to close with one question. Can you share with us the last time that we beat Ohio State? That was actually recently, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you tell us uh, what was that experience like for you when Michigan beat Ohio State soundly, viciously here in 2021? Can you share with us a little bit about that experience for you? Well, it was a long time coming and it was very sweet and we've got to beat them a lot more times before I can really start talking trash to my OSU friends. But I'm definitely still loving <laughs> last year's victory and the Big Ten championship. That was awesome. And us Michigan football fans have been deserving and needing that for a long time. Yes, sir. Well, thanks so much, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.